Alright, what's going on everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. Before we start into today's episode, I have a quick question for you. Raise your hand if you are listening and you are a founder or you are a founder type or working on side projects. Now, if you're if you're driving, please don't raise your hand. But if you're thinking that's me, chances are you might have a co-founder and in today's world, everything's remote. And this is unfortunate for founding teams because teams work fastest when they're together, right? When you're starting something new from scratch, being in the same room has a magical kind of feeling to it. And when we're all remote, you don't really get the same thing. Well, what if I told you there's a way to get that same output, right? Get that same feeling while being remote. And luckily there is. Uh, our sponsor for the next couple of weeks for Forward Thinking Founders is Sidekick. And Sidekick is an always-on display that sits next to you, next to your computer. It allows you to work right next to your co-founder like you were in the same room. This eliminates most of the problems that you kind of get when founding a startup remotely. And you're able to move faster and, and, and kind of get stuff done in a much more efficient way like you could with if you were in the same room. And luckily, because you're a listener of Forward Thinking Founders, you get a big discount on on Sidekick devices. If you go to sidekick.video slash FTF, you get $30 off. The market rate is $50 per device. As a listener of this podcast, it is $20 per device. $30 off total per device. So go to sidekick.video slash FTF, get your devices, and get you and your co-founders working together like you're in the same room, even if you're remote. Hope you enjoy it. What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin of stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kuhn, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository, and for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. Okay. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions of the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Alejandro Leon, who is the founder of Spline. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Great. Thanks a lot for having me, Mac. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on and learn more about what you're working on. For people that don't know what Spline is, what is it? What are you working on? <laughs> yeah, so Spline is a design tool. Um, is something like Sketch, like Figma. Um, it's a design tool, but it's actually a design tool that works uh, in a 3D space and is intended to create 3D content for the web. So that's awesome. Let's kind of dive a little deeper into, I guess, I'm actually, when you say 3D content for the web, can you actually start there? What do you mean by 3D content for the web and um, just I'd love to dive a little more deeper into like how it works and like who would use it and what they can do with it. Yeah, so um, most design tools that we know today, they are like 
2D graphics design tool in the sense that what you can do is mostly create bidimensional objects like rectangles and, and you know, circles and maybe some photo editing. Um, Spline works in a 3D coordinate uh, dimensional space where you can actually have spheres and cubes and real, you know, well, it's, the, it's all digital, but it's like actual 3D polygonal objects. And you can rotate around the objects and see different perspectives and camera projections that you don't normally have when you're working on a traditional 2D design tool. So is this like design or who, who would be using this tool? Are these like potentially like VR designers or are these avatar? Like, I guess who would be someone that would use the tool to help me understand a little more? Yeah. So a lot of, a, a lot, a lot of designers um, want to try 3D, right? So the problem with 3D is that getting into 3D is like really hard. There is like several uh, 3D packages out there that, allows you to create really powerful things like Blender, Cinema 4D, out to this Maya. Um, but if you wanna try create, creating 3D, you have to spend like at least a year just crafting uh, these very high technical tools, right? And if you wanna create like 3D for the web, like using WebGL and doing something like this awesome, uh, you know, demos that we see from, from you know, Facebook, from Google or from developers, um, the only way to do that right now, uh, you know, is just, you know, adding, uh, learning how to code in JavaScript and basically do that, you know, manually. Um, and the other way is like you outsource the work, right? And, but then you need to pay, you need money for that. So basically Spine is a visual design tool that allows you to create, you know, this WebGL cool 3D uh, effects for your website. Um, and you doing it the way you already do, which is uh, something like uh, to do the sand tool, but in this case, it's in a 3D space. I'd love to hear like what was, why did you decide to work on this or what's the origin story and like what's interesting about 3D for you? Yeah, so I've been doing 3D uh, for about, uh, I think 15 years. I started when I was um, like 12 or 13. Um, uh, my parents were, uh, <laughs> kind of uh, um, obsessed with AutoCAD and apps like that. So I actually got exposed to the 3D world um, uh, just like when I was a children, right? A chill child. And so and, and I get into this and I started understanding that, hey, you know, there is like a lot of things that we do in 3D in the world. Like, it's not just computer graphics, it's actually the way we actually uh, design our world is being done in these tools. You know, every single building that we see outside, every single car, every single device that we see is actually made through a design tool that works in a 3D space. So I got into, I started learning about these tools and right when I was like 18 and I dropped out of university and started working by my own, and I got this idea, you know, about, hey, you know, we have like these powerful tools, you know, that, and we can create these amazing games and we can create these amazing movies, BFF movies or animated movies. Um, but if you try to create like a very simple logo in a 3D tool, it's like the hardest thing in the world. And at the same time, um, if you are using something like Adobe Illustrator or Fitma or Sketch, 
and you try to create an sphere, it's like you can't. It's like it's not possible, right? So it's, I thought about this idea, you know, why if, why if we why if we make something that isn't 3D but is is as easier as using a 2D tool, right? So that's that basically was the conception. So because I was so frustrated by constantly switching between tools to make this very simple task in one or another. And, you know, you waste so much time doing this and you actually need to spend like a lot of uh, time just learning how every single tool works. And each tool is different, even if they are doing the same, they're way different. So that's where it all started then two years ago. Um, I finally, you know, I started doing something about it. It was not just an idea, I started doing something about it. Um, and, and now it, it is a startup and now it's what it's playing and now uh, it's real. Yeah. So can you kind of, what, what was the difference between when you first started, but kind of before it was, um, like, like when it was just a project, now you said it's a startup, it's real, it's flying. What what has changed? Is like, are are you like, have you hired people? Are you doing it full time? Like, I guess like mentally, how have you thought about it differently from when it was just yeah. a little idea to now when it's a full blown startup? Yeah, the, many things have changed. Um, when I started, I was working full time on you know on a different project. I was actually the co-founder of another company. We were doing uh, AR for education. Um, I have been doing AR for a while, by the way, and so it's, it's uh, something that is really impressive what we can do. So, Spline um, it, was like a side project, right? I didn't have enough time to dedicate on the week or on the weekends. I was just doing every single, t every single free time that I have I dedicated to Spline. But I was like very disciplined, disciplined like very responsible, and I actually spent every single day, uh, even when I was working uh, full time. Uh, on another project, and now, um, now I now I'm full time, obviously, and uh, it's not just me; uh, it's actually Jenny and I. Um, and we are hiring. Um, we are uh, we got funding uh, from Chapter One BC, and get, we're starting to to. We are more able to build. We are more able to uh, create things that we imagined, uh, and you know of. In the, the goal is that hope in the next months we chip and we launch and uh, things get more serious. And then, so congratulations on the funding. That's very exciting. Um, now, how do you think about spending your time? So now, now that it's like a thing, you know, you're doing it full time, it's a startup. Are you spending most of your time shipping code? Are you finding people to use it? Um, are you hiring people? I guess, it, how, how does your day split up on the most average day? Although I know days are not ever average. Yeah, right now, um, uh, most of my work uh, is focused on um, building the team and hiring. Uh, I've been, you know, meetings with so many uh, great developers and people uh, um, apply for for the for, to be part of the team. Um, but because we are just two, uh, it's a little bit of everything as well. You know, um, you know, accountability and. Um, signing papers, um, registration of things, bank accounts, um, also writing a little bit of code. In our case, I'm mostly uh, doing front-end code. And Jenny is doing, uh, you know, also front-end and back-end, but mostly like the hardcore computer graphics part. 
and this is kind of like a new-ish category, kind of. Like, it's not like, you know, 2D, right? It's 3. It's a new frontier. Do you spend a lot of time educating people who could use the tool how they would use it or just how do you get past that element of like it's a, it might be like a little bit of a newer market how do you think about educating people um to realize that they actually do need your tool versus not even knowing that they need it yeah uh, so the, the cool thing so far is that uh, everyone uh is it's been the interesting on the way that we have like uh, a lot of feedback from from the waitlist people um is that first they don't need to learn how to use this tool. Uh, they can say that they wanted to do, they tried to do 3D before, but because it was so hard, uh, they just ended up not doing it, right? So they want to see if they, now they can do it um, because they are like, like tired of working in 3D, you know, with this uh, developer. There is always a developer doing the, the 3D side. So you're constrained in terms of creating expression. And that's something that, if you're a designer, if you're an artist, you actually want to be able to create those things by yourself. So a lot of people are saying it's the same thing. This is normal pro designers. And the main job is just do 2D UI design, but they wanted to do 3D. It's like they actually feel like they see all this really cool thing. They feel like they are missing this, but they don't know how to do it. Uh, so that's like our, ma our main target. Uh, most of the people that haven't done 3D before, but they wanted to do it right now. Yeah, that makes that makes total sense, and I mean, I'm just kind of interested to know. Do you see that? Like, obviously, so I have a V. I have an Oculus Quest. Um, I'm a huge fan of, of VR, and I think it gets a bad rep mainly because people haven't like you know they don't know the Quest exists. But like, that's another conversation. I'm mean, I'm curious for you, not necessarily like a long, long, long term vision, but. Do you see a time where what you're doing here coincides with like VR? Like VR is three three D. Like, do you, do you see you building yeah. for these developers, or is there a separate realm for you? Yeah, um, that's actually um, one design problem that uh, no one has solved right now. If you think about an app that allows you to create three uh, D content for VR or in general, XR experience. And there is no like a single tool that you think about it, uh, something like Photoshop or Figma for AR. Um, you cannot do uh, AR um, the same way that you do UI design uh, or neither for VR. Um, so what, right now what we are doing is that because the core of these uh, new experiences in new realities is 3D. Um, we are focused our work on getting an editor, which is just like this tool that allows you to create the content. And then, you know, we can scale to being able to represent the content, you know, either on AR or VR or whatever uh, mid-set reality is. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm just excited for the world to catch up to VR. Because I think, I, I mean, I think, the, I mean, have you just total side, side, side question, do you do you have a do you have a quest by chance of uh, an Oculus Quest? No, no, but I I, I use it and also uh, you said like other headsets like from Samsung and from yep. you know yeah. I just think that uh, so that's another conversation. I just I just love I love um the potential and what it could what it could all be. But let's kind of talk about the the, the potential for you and Spline. So let's look out you know ten years, fifteen years. 
what could Spline look like? Or I guess in other words, like what's the big vision and what direction are you rowing in with Spline? Yeah. Yeah. So right now uh, we want to solve this problem of getting like, uh, allow people to create 3D faster for the web and, and, and you know, to increase the creative space that we have right now, creative abilities that we have right now in terms of uh, content for, for the web in this case in 3D. Um, but our actual goal, goal is going beyond that. Um, um, we think uh, there is no like a good reason why we should be doing design uh, in a two dimension. Um, if we think about historically, uh, everything that we do is in 3D space and every single thing that we have built in the past is actually uh, related to how we understand our world in three dimensions, right? We build like these really crazy uh, structures. And for example, even a sculpture, which is an art that is a thousand of years old, um, it's a 3D, uh, for, it's, a, it's a form of expression in 3D. So uh, we are in early 3D beings and there is always a need for us to try to replicate our ideas, our, you know, our imagination in a space and that space is most likely to be a, a you know a three-dimensional space because we are 3d beings so um we want to explain to become uh, a place where you can design you know uh in the biggest amount of dimensions and then you decide uh if you want to create just 2d you know uh artwork or 3d and we are seeing this pattern um from you know 10 years from from now and and we saw this happening in architecture. So for example, um, architecture design tools, uh, they work in 2D and 3D as well. Uh, if you use AutoCAD, you use uh, you know, architecture design tools, you are able to create something like a blueprint and then you can extrude or create you know, layers in 3D space. So they solve that problem, right? Um, yeah, we, and, and we saw this again in game design. For example, there was a time where this was, there was like 3D game engines and there were, there were 2D game engines. There are still, still exist 2D game engines. But then came Unity and Unity have like this mid-set world where you can create 2D games and 3D games in the same space. And now we see like the majority of the, of the games in, in the iOS and Android made on Unity. Even if they are 2D, they are still being made on Unity. So um, we expect this to happen um, in the creative design world, um, but it hasn't happened, right? And there are several reasons why it hasn't happened uh, in this space. And so the, the main reason is that uh, back in the time, you know, when, when we started using like, the first computers, uh, the, the, creative, the creative tools that we had on the first computers were 2D design tools, right? And it was easier to, compute to the graphics it was easier to get to a point where you see high quality graphics in two dimensions and thus we see the like this grow in developers making 2d tools right for any kind of things and we saw photoshop and then you know a, a way of creative expression happening in 2d while at the same time we were start seeing like we start seeing like 3d um, tools but they were like, you know, these really pixelated previews, wireframes, and you never see the end result. They were not in real time. So we have today like the two paradigms, which is 
we had 3D tools and we had 2D tools. But at some point, uh, technology advanced so fast that at some point now we are able uh, to have you know, same quality as we have in 2D tools, but in a 3D space. So there is no longer like a technical uh, reason for why we actually need to always base our design thinking, our design way of doing things in 2D space. And it's actually, in, in our point of view, better if we use uh, by default a 3D space or maybe a 4D space if we go for it. Um, because now we have like a new magnitude of things that we can do. I'm talking about, you know, we can replicate reality. We can uh, have like real-time physics. We can see things from different perspectives. We can have fluids. We can have particles. We can have you know, uh, hair interactions. A lot of the things that we do in the world are right now constrained by the tools that we have because those tools, those tools are two dimensions. So most of design happened like that. And most of designers are obviously doing just 2D because the tools is already constrained. Um, so we want to go beyond, right? You know, we want to be able to do in the next five, and, you know, maybe in five years, we're making like our own, universe you know like literally creating like our own universe um, as we are seeing example of this right now we, we see games in which you are like in entire new universe and you can go to different planets so why not uh allowing more people to do that just by a click just by you know click and drag just by thinking it about it so that's like our vision right now yeah it's a very um ambitious vision and lofty vision which is fantastic but you, you'll need some help to get there right in order to make yeah. it happen like you'll need some employees you might need some more investors um, yeah. if you want um, you'll, you'll you'll need obviously customers and users but what you'll you'll definitely need is help from the forward-thinking founders community so my, for my last question for you is how can the forward-thinking founders community help you're looking for users are you hiring are you fundraising how can someone listening help out with what you're doing uh, yeah, sure. We need a lot of help. Um, we are fundraising. We are looking for, you know, talented people who want to join, the, uh, may understand our vision or want to join what we are doing and, and what we want to do in the future. A lot of the things that we want to do are things that no one has ever done before. So that requires a lot of research. Um, but it's something that we need to do is we want to really uh, increase our you know, create a space and stop, start doing way more than what we are doing right now. And if someone wanted to, if someone wanted to like get in touch or find you online, find you, find your website, anything like that, how, how can someone get in touch? What's your email? What's your URL? Are you on Twitter? How can people um, get in touch? Uh, yeah. So my email is Alejandro at spline.design. There is also hello at spline.design. And there is also Twitter which is uh, Spline2. Um, so happy to talk, <laughs> happy to meet anyone interested. All right, thanks yeah. just so much for coming on to the podcast. Thanks a lot, Matt. Thanks a lot for having and for allowing me to share. Also happy to know you, <laughs> to meet you. Yeah, nice meeting you too. All right, well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Forward Thinking Founders. If you want more of Forward Thinking, I'm excited to let you know that we now have a community. Well, it's not really a community. It's more of a city. It's called Forward Thinking City. And in Forward Thinking City, you're able to do AMAs with past guests that have been on the podcast, 
for example, today we just talked to Jonathan Barkle, who's the CEO of Air Garage. Um, additionally, we have the CEO of Catch, Kristen Anderson. We have Austin Allred, the CEO of Lambda School, coming in. And these are people that you can talk with, right? You can ask them questions. These are AMAs. Additionally, you're able to do happy hours with other residents once a week so you can meet other people, learn about their startups. You also have a chance to do startup office hours and get feedback on your, on your startup or your product, as well as get a chance to pitch actual investors, real VCs. And this is all only for $7 a month. So if you want to support me as a creator, but more importantly, if you want to move your startup career forward and faster and get you access to guests on the podcast, other people in the city, and potential investors, then go to forwardthinking.city and sign up today for $7 a month. That's forwardthinking.city. All right, see you tomorrow.